Frank, Microsoft Build 2019 is over. We're back. All the craziness is done. And we could spend the next hour talking about Microsoft Build 2019. Uh, and I like that I say the full name because you know <laughs> that I'm a company person here. Uh, but there is something way more important that has come to my attention that my good friend JB, when I went into the office a week and a half ago, mentioned to me. And my mind was blown when he told me to go to vote Frank. Dot org And there was this <laughs> big, beautiful man, Frank Krueger, running for city council. What the heck is going on? Well, it was a selfie shot. <laughs> no, so, uh, yeah, I'm running for Seattle City Council, James. I'm getting into politics. How crazy is that? I think it's a little bit crazy, but I think it's also a fun time to find out what happens if an engineer tries to get into government and see see who wins, the engineer or government. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to make this entire episode about necessarily, you know, politics, which I don't think would be a very fun part of it. When I when I thought, you know, what we could talk yeah. about is sort of the tech side of running for city council. And honestly, I don't even know what city council means. So I I would love to understand sort of how you got into understanding like what you were going to run for and then even the process like this I have to imagine it was a terrible old school process, but I'm very interested in the entirety of how this happened and then <laughs> what you're doing on the tech side of things to make it run smoothly for you. <laughs> cool. So an episode about the tech side of running for office. This is fun. Maybe we'll encourage some other people to run. I think it's good. It's healthy. It's also exhausting, everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> if I sound exhausted during any of this, don't worry, I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely a huge learning process, man. Um, I thought I knew how Seattle worked, but uh, turns out there's a lot of details and I had to learn a lot of things. So a city council, this is um, a pretty typical American setup for a city. Uh, the city council is the legislative branch. It's separate from the executive branch, which is usually a mayor. So that's how we do our cities here in America. And uh, city councils are elected by the people. They're the representatives. And they are, like I said, the legislative branch. So they make the laws. And they also get final approval slash they make the budget. But that's not how usually things work out. The mayor makes the budget. The council <laughs> changes it a bit. So that's how functionally all that stuff works. Did you know any of that? No, I, you know what I do, here's all right, here's kind of what I do. I do pay attention to usually the federal level level government. I do vote in the uh, local elections. And for the first time, the midterms I voted is my first midterm election in which I voted. However, you know, there's just so much going on that I just don't necessarily pay attention. So Normally what I do, which is bad, but I think this is pretty common, is you sort of pick what side people are on, either Republican or Democrat, and you just kind of follow that. Or maybe you'll read a little blurb about the person and not really necessarily know what the implications of that office are. Uh, I did go to the seattle.gov slash council website. It looks like we have nine, eight council members and a council president. Is that is that the correct thing that I'm seeing here for the council? Uh so there are nine positions, um, and the way we do it, uh, we do it kind of like the Congress and the Senate at the federal level. And it's funny, by the way, that you mention federal, because I think we all, federal's just always in our face. 
It's just, mm-hmm. it's what people talk about. It's what the comedy shows on TV talk about. But, you know, honestly, local is just as crazy, if not more crazy. So I have fun there. Now, what was I explaining to you? <laughs> the intricacy of how the council is run and what they actually do. Yeah. Okay. Well, so um, it's broken up into those nine seats, seven of which are local seats. And that is Seattle is broken up into districts. So you, James, you live in a different part of town than me now. We used to be in the same hood, but now you're in a different spot. You're in a different district than me. So you can't vote for me. Ha ha. Oh, I can't. (laughs) I can't. So I, I can give you money, but I can't vote for you. Is it illegal for me to even give you money because I'm not in (laughs) your district? No. So um, as a candidate, you can take money from uh, anywhere within the country. Mm. Yeah. Can't can't take outside money, unfortunately. Um, Something, something national security, I'm sure. Got it. Makes sense. (laughs) Right. Yep. Um, But it's a good system. In fact, uh, Seattle in the past used to have all nine of those positions were what you call citywide. So everyone in the city votes for them. And I think that what we all decided was it just created a little bit of mayhem because we were just constantly voting for people that were constantly trying to speak for, you know, a broad community versus a more localized community. And so now we have the system where we have local representatives. And that's what I'm running for. District 4. <laughs> so District 4, does that mean this job you only represent the people of District 4? Or is it a little bit wider than that? Because I'm kind of curious why you went for this position over, let's say, something uh, like the mayor position. You know, that probably has a lot of implications mm-hmm. with it. But something a little bit way more up there, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, let's just say um, that the I'm not quite ready for mayor. As a representative, I can do a good job. The executive branch in Seattle and in a lot of cities, uh, it's actually called the strong mayor form of government. And that means we basically give them all the power. <laughs> it's the executive branch, which you immediately think at the federal level would be the military and social services and things like that. And for us, it's kind of the same thing, (laughs) except we don't have a military. It's the police and it's the fire and it's those kinds of things. So what you have is uh, the council, which is representation of the community, uh, making the laws. And then the mayor is, you know, executing them, the executive branch. It's right in the name. (laughs) But um, to answer your question, um, no, while I, I would represent the people of my district, the council is broad in that the the power is split. So we're all voting for the same thing. It's all citywide decisions. Gotcha. Well, there is one thing that you already have a leg up on on the entire Seattle government is that your website is uh, secure and seattle.gov is a not secure website. Are you kidding me? No. Well, actually, I owe this to you, James, because you got me on the uh, Cloudflare juice. Mm -hmm. So gosh, I just put Cloudflare in front of all my websites now, and it just magically works. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just do everything there. Uh, I have a leg up. I'm, I'm a programmer. I can make my own website, James. But as you and I know, that's not always a good thing. Like, yeah. how much time do we split between doing our job as programmers and doing the actual job of running for a position and spreading your name and telling people about what you want to do in government. So, 
but I have to admit, I did a website from scratch. <laughs> did you? So yeah, so let's get into a little bit of the the technical requirements that you had to go through for being able to run. Like, is having a website a requirement? Like, what it what paperwork needed to be done? Like, what what did it look like from your side of things? Like, did you just run under you? Is there other things that you need to set up? Like, I am so confused, even how you would even go about this and how you had time oh, to do any of this too. I'm so, I'm so puzzled. We could talk about this part for two hours, like mm. establishing a campaign. I thought it was going to be easy, man. I was naive. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'd go figure out how to get my name on the ballot and you know, yay, I'm campaigning. Good for me. I thought that was it. And uh, that's where I started. So I went to a, a training seminar that uh, Washington State and Seattle are, have really excellent election programs. They're run really well. And they have very long PDFs that if you stay up all night reading, you can learn how the whole system works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the hardest part is we have very transparent um, campaign finance rules. And mm. that means that report, 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 report. and um, that means in practicalities, I have to have a campaign. That campaign has to be a federally recognized political organization. So you get to register with the IRS and give them all your details. And you're like, you know, who doesn't love more interaction with the IRS? James, don't you want to increase that in your life? It's my favorite, main favorite thing to do, actually. I didn't know that you knew yeah. that about me. It's one of my faves. <laughs> We have talked about it in the past. <laughs> um, so you establish yourself with them. And then um, the state here in Washington actually manages the details of the finance. And so for every time someone donates to the campaign, I have to register that. Every time I spend money on the campaign, I have to register that. And it's all in public information. And actually, they have a very nice website where you can go to and Really, if, if you're a peeping Tom, go look into everyone's finances. And then at a personal level, you have to fi uh, uh, file a personal finance disclosure form. Something I guess not all government officials do, but we do. And so it's all, it's all public record, James. So you got to swallow all the pride you've built up over all the years. Every chance you had at having a little bit of a secret life, all gone. It's, gone. <laughs> it's all public record now. <laughs> it's probably very similar to when I filled in my global entry form for traveling. You can do global entry and TSA pre-check. And you have to just fill out every little bit of detail. But it's probably even more intense than that because you're actually putting on your financials over and over and over again yeah it's great and it's all kind of vague terminology and you mm. kind of wish you hired a lawyer to help you out because you're not sure if you understand what every word means yeah fun um but i should say um before i go any farther um i've had a lot of friends helping me out and so when I made the decision to run, I was a little nervous. And then a friend said she would help out and that made it more doable. And then a bunch of friends said they would help out and that made it actually doable. So I'm going to keep using the I pronoun because I'm a narcissist. But please understand, this is a lot of people helping me along this way, too. I feel like that's how it, that works, though. You can't just you know run for government anymore. You have to take donations. You have to do fundraising. You're you know, going door to door. You're probably, you know um, doing, uh, public speaking, uh, you know, beyond doing a developer podcast, you probably have to talk to people that aren't developers too. And, and, um, talk about the, the solutions. And you're not only putting yourself out there for who you are, but also 
you're really starting to put out a different side of you that people probably don't know about. So one thing that I really find interesting is when we did the uh, entire podcast on the life and times of Frank Krueger is that now we are getting a deeper side, at least I am, if you go to your website and read about you, about, you know, things that are, uh, you're really passionate about beyond the tech side of things. So, and what you would do about them just in general, because to me, this is a really interesting time to run for government, especially in Seattle, because there's been a lot of changes in Seattle. And I feel like when you look at, when you look at, city councils or federal councils or government in general. It's not necessarily the millennials or the tech generation that are running for them. So they're, but at the same time, you look at Seattle, it's a very tech city or San Francisco. And I don't know how, you know, those two sides mesh well, you know, like everyone thinks a little bit different. So to me, it's a very, very sort of nice time to be getting into it. And even I said, I would, I would totally help out in, in any area possible. So I'm glad that you had some, some people to help you out. And there's a lot of, especially in such a big city, you know, you've been here for what, have you been here for 15 years? I think now, is that yeah, correct? a little over? Yep. Yeah. 15. That's what it says. Yeah. Fell in love 15 years ago, small business owner. Um, yeah, <laughs> you, and you've done a lot. So, so you, you had to build a, a website and that seems like <laughs> that should be easy, right? Done. Just ASP.net. Yeah. MVC bootstrap done, <laughs> correct? Well, here here is the thing because uh, as you mentioned, I've I've always stayed apolitical, basically mm. in my Twitter and my. If anyone's at a bar with me, I'm totally political, but <laughs> online, I'm a hundred percent apolitical, just because it's not an area I wanted. I wanted. <laughs> I don't want to anger a lot of people. And I have a very confrontational style sometimes online. And I, I knew for a fact I was going to put my foot in my mouth a lot if I got mm. political on there. And I also think it's just not what people were tuning in for. They wanted to know my technology ideas, not other things. So it was kind of a, a, a <laughs> tough decision I had to make of, um, gosh, was I even going to talk about this on Twitter because I didn't want people to be offended that all of a sudden I'm talking about politics, whereas for years I never did and always kind of stayed away from it, to be thoroughly honest. Um, But it is a part of my life. It's something that I've always been working towards. And so it's, you know, it's just, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm passionate about politics. <laughs> so th- that, that was a tricky part. But I, I also had this frustration where I didn't want to come out on Twitter until I had a nice website because all those people are tech people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they might judge my political views a little bit, but they're certainly going to judge my web design <laughs> and programming capabilities. And, I, you know, that might not even be the truth, but that's how that's how I think. And so I wanted to make sure I had a nice website before I started talking about it. Yeah. And this website's not just, you know, informational, you know, things. You literally take money through this website. And I remember I, you know, JB was like, hey, check out, you know, votefrank.org. And I was I went to the the website. I didn't ask you yet if this was official. And I had to stop and I go, well, maybe someone is just pranking. <laughs> and put up this website and maybe I shouldn't enter my credit card in- information. It is HTTPS, but I, I noticed that um, when I went to the bottom, that the, the entirety of this payment processing was was not done by you. It, it didn't seem like it was done by this thing called Faster Campaigns. Um, yeah. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I, so I feel the- like t- I feel like taking money from people is very is even more scary than running for office, by the way. And that's why I wanted to bring this up because the, the physical act of taking money from people um, 
legally, obviously, yes, <laughs> uh, is still a very scary thing to do as a human being. Right. And so as programmers, James, we can decide, are we going to write our own payment processing system? And at what level? Or are we going to buy into a system? And what level does that system cover? Because, you know, there's the whole spectrum out there. I could, you know, go straight to Visa. I could go straight to a payment processor. Uh, I could use something like Stripe, which is an aggregator. I could do PayPal, you know, it just goes, the list goes on forever and ever. Um, what you see in the, in this case, I was like, well, what is everyone else doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in the campaign arena, there are a few, basically, let's call them the cheap solutions. And then the rest of them are the please call us for prices numbers, you know? So those are your federal campaigns, I'm assuming. And there's a few open source solutions, but eh, some of them, they're, they're not all that great, but they're out there for sure. And so um, in the case of a payment system, I decided I don't want to have server data of, mm. I don't want to manage the server data. Yeah, no PII. You don't have, yeah, ex zero. <laughs> like I, my site should be essentially static compared to everything else. And that's because I know privacy is difficult. Security is difficult. I know these are hard problems and I'm trying to run a campaign, not solve, you know, security problems. And so I pay for a service where there's just embed code, essentially. You mm -hmm. just put JavaScript, you put the script tag in, magic happens, it's all SSL, so it's all super secure. Um, you create that secure channel and the payments go through them. Uh, Faster Campaigns, they're a Seattle company, local. They're great, except they're not that great as a, oh, as no. a developer well you know as a de as developers we're picky right we're like yeah. hey why can't i do this why can't i inject that why can't i style mm. that what's up with this field you know there, there's just ui stuff i want to change but you have to give up control <laughs> and accept their styling and a few things there i over i override a little with css but what can you do james i didn't want to be responsible for people's monies yeah, it's it's a very tricky one. And, and it's the same. You know, when we chose Fireside for the podcast, we ran into the very similar situation, which was we could build our entire podcast network and RSS feeds and every possible aspect of it and hosting and pay for everything. Or we could just give Dan Benjamin $15 a month with the restrictions that, yeah, we can't have full control over the website. We can't tweak every little thing. We have to wait for him to add features. But that he's got to worry about the features and, and, you know, stay up to date and worry about Apple and all that stuff like that. So I agree <laughs> with you. It's kind of nice that there are these services available in modern day 2019 compared to if you were to run 20 years ago, it would be a very different case. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you would be using the more low level payment processors and making you know, you'd have to write your own return system. Um, unfortunately, uh, we mentioned I can't take money from outside the country, but a few people have tried to donate from outside <laughs> the country and we've had to refund them. And it's so sad because I'm like, I love getting donations because uh, in Seattle, you have to pay to be on the ballot and it's 10%. Mm. It's sorry, not 10%. Thank God. Is it? <laughs> gosh, is it 10% or 1%? Whatever. It's a lot of money um, based on the salary of the position. So you can't just be on the ballot for free. And wow. so we're just trying to raise the money just for that so i'm not i don't have a huge liability Inter Fun, huh? interesting yeah. yeah so not just anyone can so you so you have to raise money so you can go on it 
And then also mm -hmm. probably for anything else, if you want to do buttons or pins or even just the cost of the website, advertising. It's yourself. all marketing. Yeah. Wow. So this is fun because it's basically good old advertising. Um, and it's hard because uh, not everyone's on the Internet. You know me. I wish I could just buy Reddit ads all day. That, mm. that would be so easy. But <laughs> unfortunately, you would think. But unfortunately, not not everyone in Seattle reads Reddit. So <laughs> you have to diversify your marketing. Yeah. I agree. Well, you know what, though, Frank, if you do have a website like you do, and perhaps you're doing some advanced things and you're struggling to replicate bugs or having performance issues or having payment processing issues, you can plug in our sponsor this week, Raygun, into your web or mobile application right now to help diagnose those problems in minutes rather than hours. Frank, you don't have hours sitting around while people pour into your website right now to give you donations to support you to for District 4 City Council. Well, if you're running into issues, Raygun is there. You can kiss goodbye having to dig through log files and get frustrated with user reports like, oh, why can't I give Frank my money? Well, listen, Raygun, they'll do everything for you. They'll handle your errors, crashes, performance monitoring, every single thing that you want and integrate into your favorite tools, no matter where your team is hosting or tools are using like Azure DevOps or Trello or anything like that. You can try Raygun completely for free today by going to raygun.com. That's all you got to do. Go to raygun.com, select one of the platforms such as Xamarin, uh, iOS, Android, websites, anything that you're possibly doing. You can integrate Raygun in minutes. So go to raygun.com. And thanks to Raygun for sponsoring this episode of The Pod. <laughs> Thank you, Raygun. They made that really personal. See, that's right. We're talking about it. I love how many shout outs I'm getting. And I, I'm sorry if anyone's getting offended by all of it. But thank you, James. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, you already have some of my money. Now, is that public record? Can everybody <laughs> see how much money I gave you? Is that a thing? In fact, I can. Oh my Should gosh. we dig up the URL later? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, we're not going to tell people. You might not want it disclosed, but it's there. If you know how to web, you can web your way to it. Um, so can we talk a little bit more about the website? And one thing that I did do wrong about it that I'm a little frustrated about. Yeah, I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. So this entire time I've been trying to break it. So I'm trying to put it in mobile responsive. I'm trying to put it into, you know, oh, different no. modes. So I'm, I'm all over. I'm, I'm really responsive. trying to break it. It's responsive. Yeah. So, so how did, well, how, what, what's the tech side of this thing? Okay. It's just a ASP.NET core website. Uh, you know, .NET new website. I forget how it goes, but that's all it is. Um, you know, ASP.NET Core has gotten so good these days. You just .NET run, things magically work, put in some codes, they just magically work. I use Razor Pages for Ooh. everything. Nice. Yeah, I love Razor Pages because we're back into PHP world. You know, this is web programming I can get behind. <laughs> just inline logic. It's beautiful. Uh, it's how I wrote Fugit. I love it. Uh, Razor Pages. Uh, it is responsive because Safari has a wonderful mode, Control-Shift-Command-Shift-R, something like that, where it just gives you a heads up for all the different device sizes. Mm. And this goes along with we're mobile developers, James. I got to have a good look at mobile site here, and I'm not going to do the terrible games other websites do. It's going to mm -hmm. just magically responsive and change. So I'm pretty proud of that. This is the problem with making your own website. I could just do this all day. That's the problem. It's a black hole of, I love making websites. Yeah. That's my dark, dark sin. 
But there are problems. Um, what I find a lot during this campaign is I have people helping me write. And so I don't publish my first draft as I often do online. And now I'm publishing the fourth and fifth drafts with a lot of people working on it. And a lot of that's done in Google Docs just because it's such good collaborative editing. And so I have this problem of how do I get stuff, you know, between Google Docs and my Razor pages. And I haven't solved that problem. I'm copying and pasting right now. But I wish I had a better solution to that. Um, just some kind of backstore that knows how to talk Google Docs, something along those lines. But otherwise, um, I, I think I'm pretty happy with my ASP.NET page. I had one person yell at me. They're like, why aren't you just using GitHub pages? And I'm like, it's because I like logic. I like code. I like being able to put code into my stuff. Yeah, you want it to be a little bit more customizable. And yeah, I mean, it would be nice. You could do pull requests to it and then you could... You know, you could crowd crowdsource it when people find typos and send stuff. But I mean, that's really then getting down a whole different rabbit hole of that's sort of what you would expect out of a normal open source project to be or a normal project. But like you are literally running for government office. Right. And I don't know <laughs> if you should be open sourcing, a.k.a. also slash you know, writing all of that uh, on GitHub. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. But I, I feel <laughs> like it's a different level of of. Uh, not security model, but just different level of stature, maybe of like where this web could be. But maybe that's the 2019 technology. Like, hey, my website's open source. Check it out, right? You could be a well, yeah. trendsetter. Also, um, on the topic, um, non-programmers, people who aren't programmers, don't exactly love GitHub. If you if you come from it from the outside, like it's it's not the most friendly editing environment. It's certainly no Google Docs. Yeah. Could you imagine if we had a code editor that was more like Google Docs, like uh, VS Code's live edit and Google Docs had a little baby called like better than Git. Yeah, that can be its <laughs> name. It's just called better than Git. And then we can finally get off of this ugh, terrible Git model that we all seem to love. Anyway, groupthink. That was a side topic. <laughs> But um, otherwise, I've been able to do the, um, what I've liked about having ASP.NET is there's a lot of data available from Seattle. They have, um, the, the city uses Socrata open data. I think that's a plug. They're not paying for this episode. So that's all we'll say about them. Other than it's this giant um, website just full of Excel sheets. Mm. It's, you know, it's supposed to be better than a website full of Excel sheets. But you know what, James? It's a website full of Excel yeah. sheets. <laughs> so I have my website pull down that data and present me interesting data that I want. So oh, cool. I use my website not just as a campaign website, but there's a whole data backend that I use to understand Seattle, basically. Oh. Yeah, so you can kind of make educated technical decisions based on the data. You're being very data-driven, we like to call that, Frank. Ooh, I like that. I'll, I'll put that in quotes. James says I'm data driven, but it's true. Um, the the way our political system works is, I said Seattle, the city is broken into districts. Districts are uh, further broken down into precincts, and these are like three block by three block areas, sometimes bigger, sometimes smaller, um, and. So I like to localize my data. So if I'm going out to this neighborhood of this area, I want to know what they're thinking. How are they voting? Uh, what issues are important to them? Because Seattle has just such crazy open voting data. You can build <laughs> all this stuff if you're willing to, you know, clean out the data and get through it. It's, it's all the data nightmares you can imagine of trying to correlate data from a million different sources. Yeah. So are you able to then do some 
machine learning on this data? Like, are you really going down the route of taking and being data driven to power your election, like your campaign uh, election, the campaign for the election? Like how far down the rabbit hole of being a tech expert like you are, are you going all in on tech to to go like are you in <laughs> Karas all day and writing python scripts to data mine or and and targeting facebook ads like what are you doing like i'm very curious maybe you can't talk about it. i don't know this could be highly illegal i don't know <laughs> actually i don't think you can put political ads on facebook anymore i don't think that's allowed wasn't there something uh, no one's whatever we, we don't do facebook anymore um but thank goodness james i am not in Karas all day that would be terrible um data data is open to interpretation unfortunately mm. what if you have a data point that says 55 percent of people think this thing is good I'm like great what does that tell you it means the city's split essentially technically you know some people think it's more important than others but five percent over a hundred percent split i'm not going to buy into that too much so i actually haven't um gotten that deep into machine learning because not that i don't think it can actually be applied i think it can in certain things like understanding the needs of local communities that's a very hard thing for a human to correlate but that's mm -hmm. a kind of a nice easy task for a computer to do so i think there are opportunities but in my campaign what you quickly learn is it's uh it's an energy system there are sixty thousand registered voters in my district not seattle just my district and ideally james i want to have a one-on-one -on -one 15 minute conversation with every one of them <laughs> so does that scale do does, does that scale <laughs> <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> and so a lot of um, a lot of the data mining that I've done hasn't really just been data mining. Um, again, Seattle has a ridiculous open records policy mm. and you can get um, the locations of people who have voted in the past. And that way, when I am actually out on the streets knocking on people's doors to talk to them, I'm not... Um, I don't want to say wasting my time because you can always get new voters out there. But me personally, trying to talk to 60,000 people, you know, I have to use my time wisely. And so I can go to houses that I know are active voters. And so that's a whole that's a whole uh, winding path I went down that I want to talk more about. So are you literally knocking on doors? Yes, James. Welcome to local politics. <laughs> Feels so like I, I don't even I don't even talk to my neighbors in my own apartment complex, Frank. How are you literally talking to human beings? That seems literally impossible. James, I have to not only bother someone who's like doing some gardening or something, whatever. They're just trying to live their life. I have to say hi and do you want to talk politics for a bit? Oh, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Oh my god, yeah. It took uh, yeah, I don't know how I did it the first time. I think I just held my breath until like I did it. I don't know. I was like, you're not allowed to breathe until you knock on someone's door. <laughs> like, I just had to force myself to do it. Um, you know, it's one of those things that's, yes, it's as terrible as it sounds, but is not as terrible as it sounds. When someone answers the door, they're usually very friendly and they're actually usually very receptive to at least hearing you out a little bit. People can definitely fundamentally disagree with me. In fact, it was really funny. The very first door I knocked on, very first, James, right? So I get all my courage to go talk to someone. The first thing she says to me is, I'm a Republican and won't vote for you. I'm like, huh. oh. 
I'm like, wow, that went really well. And so I just started joking around with her, but got her kind of at least uh, in a happy mood and we left on good terms. But I just thought, what a way to start this process. (laughs) Yep. So the actual, the discouraging thing about that process is actually um, people not answering their door because you end up approaching a lot of houses and using a lot of energy to go around and then you don't get to talk to people. So that's actually the frustrating part. And that's why I broke down and broke, I was going to try not to write any custom software for this campaign, but I'm totally failing. So I wrote myself a mobile app to help me canvas Seattle. Mm. That seems um, like a relatively great idea because you haven't, you immediately found an issue. I'm assuming that, did you do this after the first time you went out or was it before? Oh, I did this after a month or two of going out. I'm just like, I need something better. This is ridiculous. I mean, the first times I went out, it's such a big area and there's so many people to talk to. I just randomly went out and just started knocking on random doors. I mean, you have to start somewhere. But after a while of that, you're like, I got to get smarter about this. So is this then like the red fin of door-to-door political polling, basically? Ooh, I like that. You can be my marketing person, James. I've been known to use words from time to time, Frank. (laughs) Nailed it. Hey, you know how um, I always tell people, they're like, I'm using SQLite in my database, and I did this query, and it took a long time, and then I put all the records into a table view, and there were a thousand records, and I'm like, well, that's just bad UI. You shouldn't do that. You know what I did, James? You put (laughs) I put 60... (laughs) 60,000 records into a table view. <laughs> that seems uh that seems pretty good. I mean, and you have a nice search up top, correct? Uh not in V1, but what I did have and this is the feature I was absolutely most proud of was I had a nearby me button and I could just click that button and it would zoom into the street mm. and list everyone in the street and just the house that I'm most close to just by doing um, reverse geo lookup and trying to match that with my database of voters. I was so proud of that feature, James. It it felt so good to like walk outside because along with this, not only do I want to talk to people, James, I'm trying to get something from them. Can you believe that? I have to talk politics and ask them for something. Yeah. And they act like not only is it hard to even talk to another human being, but then when you need something from them, I mean, that is just honestly just too much. I mean, if I was a Seattleite, which I am, I would basically just kind of, you know, when you, um, when there's like a neighbor or a friend in the movies and they're like not trying to see them. So they like turn off the lights and they kind of hide. Like, that's what I would, that's what I would end up doing. Like, Oh no, Frank's coming. Look out. Frank's on patrol. And then um, hide and, and run away as fast as humanly possible. Ghosting. 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 And you know what? I respect that. <laughs> if I knock on someone's door and I hear them scurry away and no one answers for a minute, I'm like, I respect that. <laughs> I'm not going to bother you with a second knock. And uh, I don't mind that. That's fun. <laughs> um, but this, uh, this app has been... Um, really useful because you you have to understand my frame of mind at first. I've gotten into a paper mode. Mm. A lot of politics is paper-based, which is awkward because I had to buy myself a printer. And I'm like, oh, what is all this paper product I'm using all of a sudden? And things are stapled and they give you handouts. And I learned and I I, I got kind of into it because I love paper and I love printing and I love typography. And I'm like, you know what, James? 
I'm going to print out all 60,000 people onto a piece of paper. <laughs> this mm. is literally what I was thinking. Little check boxes. Little, I, put it in an Excel, maybe. Do a little mail merge. Just kind of. No, no, I didn't want to no. have a computer. I wanted to be old school. I wanted to be like paper. Oh, this gosh. is a thing, you know, it's an aesthetic, you know, it's like hipster. Mm-hmm. And then it, I, I figured out I would have to print like a textbook size thing, like a phone. Well, I guess it is a phone book, huh? <laughs> so I would have to basically print out a phone book. And that's how dumb I was. And then I felt really bad for honestly all the other candidates. I'm like, how do they do this? Do they carry around a phone book? Because there aren't other apps that really do this. Mm. And then it occurred to me, James, you know what? I had a brain thought. It's those apps that they won't tell you the price of that you have to call them to get the price uh, yeah. i bet you they had that yeah <laughs> yep so i decided oh i just made it an advanced feature of an app <laughs> but um in truth it's just been really helpful um because in addition to the things we said we're collecting i have to get signatures and i've had the awkward moment a few times where i would get someone's signature and then they would tell me they're not actually from seattle and then i'm like oh I just kind of wasted 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm actually babysitting today and uh, I live in Shoreline. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, you keep a smile and you stay jolly, but gosh, you're like, wow, wish I had gone to the next house. <laughs> so uh, this app is, thank goodness, helping me. And then the most important part is um, I can't obviously go to that many houses. So I have to have friends helping me and I can use this app to help coordinate friends now, too. Mm. And so that's the next fun big feature added to it so i'm doing it feels like a good mobile app because it has the location services it has some sync stuff it's presenting data that's otherwise hard to get i'm really proud of it it seems pretty cool it seems as if you could sell this thing at some point if you really wanted to no I'm not allowed to think that thought because then I will over-engineer it. I think I was able to make such good, fast progress on it because I tailored it to the problem. You know, I didn't add all of Seattle. I limited the database to District 4. It's, it's okay, I take all that back. It's general purpose. Of course it is, James. <laughs> That's how I write software. But I'm not allowed to think that way. Yeah. I'm focused on the campaign. <laughs> this is a tool for me. I will not profit off of this in the future, although no matter what, I will totally get people to use it in the next election. As G- I mean, honestly, what's intriguing about this is that you have to start looking at software and tools in a different way because you're now entering literally a different industry, I would say. And I call it an industry because like you said earlier, po- politics is sort of an industry in its own. You're raising money, you're spending money, you're documenting that money just like you would any other business. It is for all intents and purposes a business. So when businesses have problems, you can create software and who's better to create the software than the person that literally is boots on the ground is the one running. You're literally the CEO of the company, if you will. And you're out there going to be writing software that will solve your problems because you know the problems because you're the one doing it. Right. So it's very (laughs) meta in a way, but it's really awesome because now you'll be able to say, this is the problem. And I, I, I can literally create the solution or I'm to pay for a solution or since I'm in the tech side of it, I know that there are many solutions out there that I can investigate and weigh the pros and cons off of building it or not building it yourself. Like you could probably find some tracking tool of some sort, but you you probably built it and you probably built it in um, in F sharp and probably like five seconds and then bingo, bango. But what did you build it app in? Was it just a Xamarin app or did you do a Swift app? What'd you do? Oh, you're going to be, I mean, it's so predictable. I, I, I want to hear you. Did, I, did you already give your guess there? Was it F sharp? And then what UI framework did I use? I've, well, my guess is 
my guess is it's maybe an F sharp Xamarin Forms app, but then I'm thinking that it's not, and it's just an F sharp Xamarin iOS app because you built it for yourself and you did say the words UI table view. So that's how I sort of, mm, you could have your brain trained. I gave though. it away. You could have your brain trained, <laughs> but my assumption is that it will be just a standard, yeah, UI kit app. You know, it's funny you you mentioned my brain because my brain is also conservative sometimes. And when I want to write an app that I don't have to think about, that I don't have to worry about, that I want to be a very low cognitive developer load on me, mm-hmm. I wrote it in C Sharp. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to write it in C Sharp. Mm-hmm. I know every detail about C Sharp. I have 8,000 compilers for C Sharp. We're stable on a dialect. Um, all the examples are in C sharp. If I ever want someone to maintain this app, it's in C sharp. <laughs> Take away that last one. That was rude. But, um, I, I get conservative when I don't want to think about things. And that means taking the main line. Um, but it didn't mean Xamarin forms because I don't know Xamarin forms as well as iOS. So it's just a C sharp iOS app. Of course, that that's my safe, happy spot, James. That makes me happy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Which, um. Yeah, which gets into why I didn't want the cognitive load. It's that question I keep bringing up of how much time do I spend being an app developer versus campaigning? Ideally, zero time being an app developer, honestly. But um, a friend reminded me, you got to play to your strengths and, you know, I can do these things. And so for the ones that I think can actually return benefit, yeah, totes going to play to my strengths and get that data out of it. I like that. That's pretty cool. I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense. It's exactly what I would be doing if I were you two, just sort of looking at the problems, what I can get done really fast, get it out there. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It needs to get the job done. It is probably the MVP product that you would want to to get out there. And um, yeah, that's it's mm-hmm. pretty cool when you think about it, because it's probably a tool that a lot of people can use. So there's a website. So this is really a, a .NET powered political campaign is that what i'm hearing totes 100 percent all dot net .net. (laughs) this campaign would not be possible with a not dot net you know there's so much disclosure stuff i wonder if we have to disclose you know that dot net contributed to the campaign (laughs) that's true and like i said i've i've donated i know a few other people i know have donated and uh we're not asking for donations, obviously, but uh, no, I think no. that what's cool. Just, just mentioning that, you know, donations help a lot. Not asking for them, but, you know, they're a necessary yeah. part of a political process. <laughs> well, I, I think it's cool to kind of know just kind of what you had to go through and 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 what kind of tools you're building. And who knows by the time. When's the election? Is it in this fall, I guess? Oh. Good, good thing to mention here. Uh, we do a primary general system here. So the first election is the primary. And that's um, and also a cool thing about Seattle. Everyone else should be jealous. Uh, everyone gets mailed their uh, ballot. Yes. And then they can just fill it out and then mail it back. So we'll mail out ballots uh, middle of July, like July 19th-ish. And then the actual election is August 6th. That's when the final results are counted. So I should not immediately get that this is your ballot and then shred it immediately is that I shouldn't do that then. Please don't, please don't, you know, maybe next year. (laughs) No, I didn't say that, but definitely not this year. (laughs) Well, I guess I'm not even in your district, so I might not even get you then. Uh, Uh, But you have so many friends. I got to move. I got to move back. Just tell your friends. I got to move back. You do. 
Oh my just just start paying taxes here for six months and you'll be good. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else crazy techie that you're doing on the political side of things? Uh, I think we'll stop there. I did say I, I'm not doing machine learning, but maybe I do a tiny bit of machine learning. But we'll save that for another time All right. on our machine learning episodes. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Good luck with everything. And I am here to help any anyway uh, possible. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for taking some time out of your busy political campaign schedule to record this lovely episode of the podcast and let everyone know kind of how you're making a .NET powered. I like that. It's a very cool story. And Everyone can check out uh, Frank's website because maybe you yourself now are curious about running for city council. Maybe uh, get some inspiration from votefrank.org. So, and also a cool domain name. So I, I think that's really nice. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to, yeah. yep. I would love, I would, I would love to help anyone else. I think anyone who's gone through this process just says, let me help you go through this process. I bet. Because <laughs> it is such a, such a learning curve yeah. for everyone. <laughs> so I just want to stick that in there. Well, awesome. Uh, thanks to everyone that has stuck around for the last 45 minutes to hear political side of technology and technology on the political side, I guess. So um, thanks for listening. It's been another Emerge Conflict. Thanks to our sponsor, Reagan, of course. Until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.